The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, January 22nd. In today's news, CEOs in the IMF are getting increasingly worried about an economic slowdown. Kamala Harris launches her presidential campaign with a slew of pie-in-the-sky ideas. And another former White House staffer is out with a new tell-all. This one highlights how much President Trump enjoys personally humiliating Paul Ryan. But first, the big idea. The government shutdown drew no closer to an end over the holiday weekend, with the House and Senate planning to pursue separate bills that are both expected to die before reaching Trump's desk. The Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, will take up a proposal announced by Trump on Saturday to trade temporary protections for young undocumented immigrants, known as DREAMers, for $5.7 billion that the president has long been demanding for his border wall. The legislation, released late Monday night, would reopen the government through September 30th while funding a variety of other immigration security measures and spending $12.7 billion on hurricane and wildfire disaster relief. Democrats have rejected this plan, so it won't garner the 60 votes necessary to advance. The House, led by Nancy Pelosi, meanwhile, will pass a series of spending bills that would reopen portions of the government that have nothing to do with the wall. The legislation will include some security priorities supported by both parties, including a total of about a billion dollars for immigration judges and ports of entry along the border. But the House legislation is also dead on arrival in the Senate, where McConnell has said he won't even take it up. The bill being voted on in the Senate also contains significant changes to asylum procedures for Central American minors, a fact that came to light only when the draft of the legislation was released last night. It's already sparked an angry reaction from immigration rights activists. The legislation would require these minors to apply for asylum in their home countries, not at the U.S. border as now occurs, and they would be returned home if they sought to apply for asylum at the U.S. border. It would also put new caps on asylum claims from Central American minors. These changes, along with other things in the bill that are really a wish list for hardliners like Stephen Miller, have only hardened Democratic opposition to the faux compromise. And my colleague Matt Viser has an important story this morning from Macomb County, Michigan. This area, the Detroit suburbs, went for Barack Obama twice and then broke hard for Trump in 2016. More than anywhere else, Macomb delivered the Wolverine state for Trump. But in dozens of interviews at Walmarts, grocery stores, and coffee shops around that area, Matt found Trump voters who were souring on him because of the shutdown. Consider these three folks. Jeff Dowdert was fed up with politics and frankly liked the idea of a disruptive president. But the 49-year-old retired Navy reservist has now had second thoughts. What were we thinking, he asked Matt, except he added an expletive to that. He called this shutdown silly and destructive. He said all he knows about 2020 is that he won't be supporting Donald Trump. As he put it, quote, I was certainly for the anti-status quo. I'll be more status quo next time. Erica McQueen, a 38-year-old from St. Clair Shores, voted for Trump and has also liked a lot of what he's done. But she said it's gotten overshadowed by the stunts that he pulls. She sees the wall fight as one such stunt and said, quote, It's ridiculous. I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of hearing about it. Something miraculous has to happen, she added, for her to vote for Trump again. Then there's Jeremiah Wilburn, a 45-year-old engineer who voted for Trump after backing Obama twice. He was pleased for most of the past two years thanks to the strong economy, but he's changing his mind because of Trump's failure to get a deal. He said it's ridiculous 
to try to build the wall when there's divided government. And he said it's silly that Trump continues to insist Mexico is going to pay for it when they clearly won't. He's worried also about the shutdown's effect on the economy. And he's concerned about the personal impact on his brother, who works for the TSA in Florida. You can't expect people to come to work without getting paid, Wilburn said. If I were them, I certainly wouldn't come to work. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, fears are rising about the state of the world's biggest economies, with China posting its worst annual growth rate in decades and the United States injecting more uncertainty with tariffs and this lengthy government shutdown. China reported Monday that its economy expanded by 6.6% last year, a figure that would be good for many countries, but represents the slowest growth for China in 28 years. Meanwhile, the International Monetary Fund downgraded its expectations for the global economy in 2019, highlighting sharp declines in Europe and warning that the risks of a major slowdown have increased. The pair of announcements came as top executives and world leaders gathered in the ritzy ski resort town of Davos for the annual World Economic Forum. Last year, the mood was buoyant. This year, it's dour. In the U.S., the shutdown has already cut into growth. Even U.S. consumers who have remained resilient for months have been shaken. Consumer confidence has slumped to the lowest level of Trump's presidency, according to a University of Michigan report put out last Friday. Chief executives rank a global recession as their number one concern for this year, according to a survey of top business leaders around the world that was released late last week by the conference board. Global trade threats come in second. A survey released Monday of more than a thousand CEOs by PricewaterhouseCoopers found that 30% of business leaders think that global growth will decline in the next year. That's a record jump in pessimism. It's six times the number who said that last year. The most pronounced decline in optimism came in North America. Number two, Senator Kamala Harris, the Democratic freshman from California, entered the Democratic presidential primary on MLK Day by proposing a $3 trillion tax cut for the middle class and a Medicare for all system. The numbers just don't add up. Aides say Harris's platform will incorporate Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All healthcare proposal while also pushing these enormous tax cuts. With that combination, Harris is unique. Several other liberal presidential candidates favor Medicare for All and new government spending programs, but not tax cuts. Harris, by contrast, wants it all. She's expected to run on single payer, which would cost more than $30 trillion by most estimates. Yes, $30 trillion, as well as tax cuts that would significantly reduce federal revenue. Remember, the national debt has already passed more than $20 trillion. Cutting tax revenue will make it more difficult to enact the kinds of social programs that have become increasingly popular among the Democratic base. Number three, a new tell-all book about the Trump White House depicts the president's staffers as absolutely out of control while they attempt to serve an erratic leader who is easily bored by policy. The new book, Team of Vipers, was written by former senior West Wing communications aide Cliff Sims, who was an early member of the administration. Sims has several damning anecdotes about Trump berating former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Trump became so angry after Ryan criticized his handling of the deadly white supremacist rally in Charlottesville last year that he called the Speaker and started yelling at him. At one point, he asked, quote, Why can't you be loyal to your president, Paul? He also likened him to a dog. And when Ryan was trying to brief him on the health care bill the House was about to vote on in 2017, Trump was so bored that he got up and left the room so he could go watch cable TV by himself. 
It fell to Vice President Pence to go retrieve Trump and convince him he should return to the Oval Office so that they could continue their strategy session. Sims also depicts Trump as deeply suspicious of his own staff. He recalls a private huddle in which he and Keith Schiller, the president's longtime bodyguard, helped the president draw up an enemies list with a Sharpie on White House stationery. Trump told the two, quote, we're going to get rid of all the snakes, even the bottom feeders. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, January 22nd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.